You're listening to Once, episode 313, Greenbacks. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Aaron. And Jeremy isn't able to be with us this evening. He's off following the Red Crow, so we'll see him in the future at some point, probably. (laughs) You know, schedule thing just sometimes doesn't all work out. But this was a very interesting episode of Once Upon a Time. I felt like I have less to discuss or digest from this episode, although it was a fun story. But Aaron, I think, is on the other side of the spectrum this time. (laughs) I really liked this episode, and I think just because I did my rewatch early, I had a little research night last night, and I have a lot to say. (laughs) So let's get into that with starting in the past with the Tiana backstory. And I think that this reminds me so much of Desperate Souls in a sense. But I mean, after all, the guy, the soothsayer, did even say something about a desperate soul. I'm surprised he just didn't offer to be Tiana's benefactor or anything like that. But uh, that guy, voodoo guy. Okay, so if you haven't seen The Frog Princess from Disney, that's where a lot of this stuff is coming from. And their Disney flavor of things, for sure, like everything else comes from. But the way that they positioned that voodoo guy makes me think he's a bigger character. What do you think? I was wondering that on my rewatch because of what he said about having, like, being in two different worlds, like being stuck between two worlds. And he was like, he was the big bad in The Princess and the Frog. Like, he was kind of the Rumpelstiltskin of that movie. But then I'm not sure now because he kind of, like, if we don't see him again, we're not being left hanging as much as other characters we've not seen again. That's true. I don't know. He does seem like the Rumpelstiltskin of the new Enchanted Forest, though. The way that he seems so powerful, it's not just like he wanted to run away with this little ruby, but that this ruby enabled some kind of release from his prison and... That black smoke or black something that surrounded him kind of made him seem like a dark one. Yes. So I'm I'm fascinated. Like what if (laughs) the, well, no, Rumpel is still a dark one because Alice did shoot him and he lived. So if this guy's a dark one, he's got some splaining to do. Or maybe he, <laughs> maybe there are multiple dark ones because of multiple parallel universes too. There's a Spanish dark one. There's a French dark one. There's a Enchanted Forest dark one. <laughs> they opened a can of worms. In the Disney movie, the animated Disney movie, The Princess and the Frog, Dr. Facilier is said to have power over black magic. It is referred to black magic instead of dark magic, which tomato, tomato. Um, But like one of the big criticisms of that movie that I heard over and over again when it first came out was how dark it was. And because it, it was voodoo magic and it actually took place in fictional New Orleans as opposed to 
unenchanted forest, that that was actually a, a major criticism of it, of of parents with young children and people that were watching the movie. So it is like that sort of magic, air quote, is a very dark sort of magic anyway. So if they are tying in things from, like, I know it's New Enchanted Forest, it didn't take place in fictional New Orleans, but there was a lot of crossover from that movie. So he could be a dark one, but he could just be a really, really dark guy. And here's a really weird idea. What if he is the bat in the belfry? (laughs) Because if he's trapped between two realms or two something, trapped between two places, his actual form could be anything. That is true. So maybe he was just manifesting. Like, what would you say would be the prominent form? The bat in the belfry or Dr. Facilier? I so if, think maybe the uh, the bat in the belfry would be the prominent form. So that I could I could uh, get around to that if that is the case. I don't know if I like that idea, but it could be the case because she would, in theory, be transforming into a form that makes sense for that world, and he did make sense for that world. Yeah. But I do think there are better theories about who the bat in the belfry is than being him. So he could be a throwaway villain, or he could be someone else that's going to have to be reckoned with, or one other idea uh, of his identity. And I think this came from Gareth, uh, either from Gareth or Lisa, uh, is that maybe he is Ralph who did the wrecking Wreck it, Ralph, Disney <laughs> reference. Maybe that is Ralph in Hyperion Heights because we never saw anyone break into uh, the Cluck place. We never, and the cameras were offline. So maybe someone with magical power did that. And that could be him. Yeah, that could be. That could be his identity in the new, in the, no, <laughs> I'm going to do that again. Mm-hmm. That could be his identity in Hyperion Heights. If he came with the curse, I'm not going to be disappointed if he's not anybody super significant, because I think he this episode was very good at it, like showed us how Tiana came to be where we knew her to be as the leader of the resistance. It showed us like her character development from dresses and hairbrushes to sword wielding and um. Like, he was obviously a prominent character in that, but I don't know if we need to see him a ton more. Well, we probably won't see the frogs anymore. I mean, (laughs) think about this whole story, this whole big exchange, the sacrifice of something so valuable, this then releasing someone apparently so evil or dark, all to reunite a couple frogs. Well, at the time, she thought that it was to reunite a couple humans. Yeah. But I think it it showed us like the turnaround in that character. She saw that the people were starving, that she's supposed to be assisting and taking care of. That part I didn't really get because it's like multiple castles, but only one king. Because they specifically referred to her and her mother's house as a castle. But then they said the king is is lining his pockets while his people starve. And she's a princess. Yes. 
They did call her Princess Tiana. So I'm not really sure how that works. I'm not very familiar with how actual royalty kingdoms work either, but that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. That she's a princess, but she's not the king's daughter. Well, and something so powerful as this Firefly Ruby, it seems like something that will be coming back in some way, or it will be part of something. But then again, we've seen once upon a time have magical things and not bring them back or not use them, at least for several seasons. They sometimes then reuse them years later. Right. But did you notice that the uh, the prince's or the fake prince's name was Robert, 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 Robert? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's awesome. Speaking of names, you discovered an Easter egg we'd missed about someone's name. What was that? Yeah, I got onto a, the the Google tour of just Googling all of the names of everybody that we know from the series. And I Googled Jacinda's name, which I always assumed was Jacinda because of the Cinda being so similar to Cinderella. And Jacinda actually means hyacinth, which is the flower that Lucy has been obsessed with in Hyperion Heights and the flower from the flashbacks that where Henry and, and uh, Cinderella met, mm-hmm. the purple flowers, nice. which I think is just clever. That is. I wonder what order that happened in. Were they like, we're going to name her Jacinda because it's like Cinderella. And so what does that mean? Oh, it means this flower. Let's pick that. <laughs> I'm just interested how the writer's room came to that. Sometimes I feel like the writer's room might end up being a little bit like Facilier. They put all these story elements into this little bowl, wrap them around colored bones, and then dump them out and say, look, the story is obvious. This is how it's going to work. And then they point with two fingers at everything that's on the board. And that's how they come up with a story sometimes. Sorry, but that's the way it does come across. And I know our fans would think that too. Wasn't there a special feature about the writer's room? Yeah. On one of the DVDs, and they all ordered pizza, and then they were like, oh, let's just do Frozen. <laughs> yeah, might not be too <laughs> far off. But bringing this back in, so we've got uh, Facilier out there somewhere, in at least in New Enchanted Forest, potentially being a force to be reckoned with, or potentially not. Maybe he's just going to run wild and, and be buddy-buddy with Wish Realm Rumple. that's somewhere out there, too. Like I said, can of worms. <laughs> but I re- I really feel like that that Firefly Ruby needs to come back, especially since Fireflies are so connected with Tiana. So that yes. could be part of something somehow, or maybe not. Even the way they did that in the animated movie, Tiana's sidekick was a Firefly. Oh, yeah, that's right. Hey, his name was Ray. And he was a Cajun firefly who aids Naveen and Tiana in finding the kind voodoo priestess, I think, to undo the the curse. Right. So that was a great tie-in to both sides, both the past story of Tiana and the, the present story of Sabine. And speaking of kind voodoo priestesses, I want to thank our kind voodoo priestess heroes for supporting this episode of One's Podcast. Thanks to Lisa Slack, Lisa R., Marianne Lavati, and our 22 heroes on Patreon. We couldn't do the podcast without you. We really appreciate the support. It pays for things like software and downloading the 
episodes from iTunes so that we can get the screenshots and sound clips if we ever do sound clips again and be able to host the website, run software on the site and do the live streaming and all of that. It covers that. So we really appreciate whatever kind of voodoo thing that you do over at onespodcast.com slash hero because every little bit of magic helps. So thank you, Lisa, Lisa, and Marianne, and our 22 heroes on Patreon. You'll hear some of our other heroes mentioned in our upcoming episodes this month as well. If you want to become a hero to our podcast, whether you are a voodoo priestess, a voodoo priest, or you don't even do the voodoo, do 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 the do 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 do. I, I can't remember now that thing. <laughs> think of that thing. Do the do 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 the do 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 or whatever from Galavant. That's what I'm trying to do right here. So just like imagine that really well done in your mind. Imagine that here, <laughs> and you can do whatever that thing is that you do over at onespodcast.com/hero. And thank you for your support. Back in Hyperion Heights, it's the story of once upon a time. In beignets, which now I have got <laughs> to taste a beignet. Those things look so delicious. Well, you just need to go to or- New Orleans to get one because that is where they are very prominent, which is one of the tie-ins that I loved. Oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't know it either until I Googled it. <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard of that before. I'd never heard of that um, pastry, which is interesting because I believe it's French. Like it's French uh, pronunciation anyway. Like the word is French. And Canada is bilingual, and I have a lot of French uh, knowledge, and we have to take French in school, and I had not ever heard of that before. And there was actually quite a bit of French in this episode as well. Like, especially (laughs) Ivy or Drizella spoke some French there at that auction in New Enchanted Forest. Yeah, she did. It was funny because it reminded me of my house, in a sense, because I randomly interchange French words sometimes, so... It was very back and forth with them and very just a few words here and there, not an entire conversation in French. So what do you think of the back and forth between Sabine and Jacinda? Throughout the episode? Yeah. I think it shows their relationship a lot. And I liked how it by the end came around. But Jacinda's pretty hardcore. Like she's pretty serious and she seemed to be really hard on Sabine. But I guess we don't have the backstory of all her failed attempts at starting her big dreams. Yeah. But then again, maybe that's one of those things that, you know, as long as we can remember, you've never succeeded at your big dreams, but it is based (laughs) on what happens in new enchanted forest. Because remember chronologically, the last thing that we've seen from Cinderella and Tiana in the new enchanted forest was that they were teaming up to try to take down the evil stepmother who's positioning herself like a queen. So could could we call her the evil queen? <laughs> She's pretty close. Something about that and the past, just to go back to that for a second, that, that I wasn't really clear on was in the past, when we heard Tiana's backstory, she's, she basically talked about the ball that they were planning for the prince to meet a princess. Yeah. And then the last time we saw her, she's like the head of the resistance against Lady Tremaine. And that seems like a pretty big transformation for the amount of time it would take to plan a ball. Yeah, definitely. Like Lady Tremaine wasn't even mentioned yet. Unless she found out about it in the meantime. And we don't know how much time has passed from this auction time to the ball. It, it sounded yeah. like the ball was in the planning stage, right? 
Yes. Not like, oh, it's next week. Let's pull together an army and find someone that's the truest believer of our cause who also does great voiceover work professionally. Yeah, seriously. Look up that guy that I said should do voiceovers. He does do voiceovers. Matthew Paul pointed that out for us in, on the IMDb page. But all right, so the timeline is a little bit hairy. And that's why they now just say many years ago. We kind of need yes. a many years ago and before many years ago and after many years ago. So just start <laughs> using, you know, that double plus good kind of language to help make it more clear for us. And I think we'd be all good. Yeah. And yet there's a reason why they don't make it clear anymore. <laughs> because of us. <laughs> because People of like us. us. <laughs> Moving on to the missing girl. I think this is the first time we've heard her name, right? I think so. Yes. Eloise Gardner. <laughs> that is how I started the Google name searching was to see what came up when I Googled Eloise. And it's not really anything that to me points any to any specific direction, but it means illustrious or glorious, and it also means battle and combatant. So it's not, it's, I mean, that doesn't really point to anything. The main thing it made me think of is the movie Eloise, the little girl in the hotel that causes all the funny tricks and trouble, but nothing else. Well, Gareth suggested this. He said, I wonder if the name Eloise is a reference to Lost. On Lost, there was a mysterious character named Eloise Hawken who had knowledge of parallel timelines and parallel realities. If the name oh. connection is more than coincidence, then perhaps Eloise is the mysterious guardian Rumpel is looking for. I think Eloise is more likely to be Hook's daughter than Alice. So right there, Gareth is saying Eloise and Alice are two different people. I still think they're the same, but Gareth continues. Eloise is probably her cursed name, and she probably had a different name in New Enchanted Forest. The witch in the tower is probably the vengeful witch who had Hook's daughter locked up and is probably the evil that Eloise needed the runes to protect herself from. The fact that Eloise knew to draw the runes suggests that she, like Alice, might be at least partially awake. I suspect that Lady Tremaine was involved in her disappearance. Perhaps Lady Tremaine helped the vengeful witch imprison her in New Enchanted Forest as an act of revenge against Hook for whatever it was he did to her. Alternatively, she may have somehow stolen her away from the vengeful witch for her own purposes. Whether she is the guardian or not, I suspect that Eloise has some kind of magic that different people want. My original theory about Hook's daughter was that she is Rapunzel, and if Eloise is somehow connected to time magic, this could fit. So with Eloise possibly being a reference to this character in Lost... Two realms, two timelines that reminds me of the Firefly Ruby. That is definitely true. I didn't know about that character in Lost, but as soon as you read it, it brought me to this note that I have um, about the symbol that she drew because I looked that up and it's actually an old Viking symbol. But it also brought me to this word satyr which is a branch of Old Norse magic that dealt with fate. And the, the uh, definition is that it's concerned with discerning and altering the course of destiny by reweaving part of destiny's web, mm. or it minutely alters uh, the future. So that 
I, I wrote down out of significance because of what is happening with Anastasia and because of what we saw in the last episode with Rumpel, he is kind of trying alter, to alter destiny and he is using time travel to do it. Seemingly, he's gone back to the time when the Guardian would be waiting for him. So it's all, it's very interesting. But the the definition of that symbol that they gave in the show, that it was to ward off evil and protection, it was for protection, was actually very true to the to the definition of the actual symbol. So I liked that they didn't just kind of find a random symbol and <laughs> put it on a piece of paper. But so I really like that connection with Eloise from Lost. Yeah. And with that symbol too, that guy, the, the thug said something about some horrible evil that the girl might have been wanting to protect herself from when she drew that. And she was drawing it several times, like maybe trying to practice it or trying to get it right in some way. Uh, so who is that great evil? All right, now we have, we've got too many villains, I think, on the show almost at this point, because we've got, yeah. uh, we've got Victoria We've got Drizella now. See, she seems like a villain, and we'll talk more about her in a little bit. We've got Facilier. We've got uh, the witch, or the bat in the belfry. And did I miss anyone? Uh, the planning commissioner. No. We, we've just <laughs> yeah. got so many evils that somehow, I don't want to think these are throwaway villains. I'm coming back to that point. I'm still not totally convinced that the bat in the belfry is evil. That might just be me. Well, I mean, I know she's working with Drizella, but who knows why she is chained up in there Yeah, and demanding her tea, which was a pretty significant Wonderland reference. Her special brew, not just her tea, her special brew. (laughs) But they just said like tea time so many times. And that's just always reminds me of Alice in Wonderland. Plus in season one, Jefferson drugged Emma with, you know, Wonderland tea. It, probably he just used some drug that you can get here, but <laughs> it was in tea. Yeah. And bringing it back to Eloise, she's somehow involved in something that somebody doesn't want to be discovered. So who was that thug calling? We never saw it on the phone. We just heard him say, yeah, it's me. Bad news. Someone's looking for the girl. But see, Eloise... She didn't really go missing in this world because this curse hasn't been in effect for 10 years. So that's all just false information that is a byproduct of the curse, correct? Probably. Yeah, my my impression is uh, this curse could be very, very recent. Like when Lucy went to find Henry, that could be days after the curse was actually enacted. Although then again, Henry did have a book published and people were familiar with the book. So maybe maybe there was at least a year after the curse, or maybe it's shorter than that. Nonetheless, whatever happened when they say that the case went cold 10 years ago on Eloise, I think mm-hmm. that is actually 10 years ago. Not 10 years ago in Hyperion Heights, but 10 years ago if you combine New Enchanted Forest with Hyperion Heights, that whatever happened happened 10 years ago. And just as a sidebar, I do believe Lucy is 10 years old. I don't know if that could have any connection. I'm not saying Lucy is this missing girl. I don't think that at all. But, you know, what was going on 10 years ago in their life when they were having Lucy, that could be significant. 
at least in the timeline. Mm -hmm. And I guess to retract what I did just say, Buddy at the end calling and saying someone's looking for the girl does imply that there is actually a missing girl that they're looking for. Yeah, it could be, though, still the, the curse knowledge. But at this point, there are more people awake in this curse than any of the other curses previously. Yeah. More people knowing what's going on. So I, I'm not going to th- say that the thug is awake. It's probably more likely that his memory is that he's tasked with the responsibility to keep this a secret, just kind of like um, Nurse Ratchet was tasked with the responsibility to keep Belle in the hospital prison and basement. And it's not like she knew Belle's actual history. It's just that was her job. Same thing with other characters we've seen in other curses before. That was their assigned job from the curse. So this guy maybe even had something to do with it in the past, maybe not. But who is he working for? I'm thinking Victoria. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Too many villains. Again, we don't know (laughs) who is working for whom. He could be working for Ivy, for all we know. And that's probably the thing. They want us to think he's working for Victoria, but he's actually working for Ivy. Because maybe Ivy is the one who's actually in charge. And we will get to her in a little bit. So one one thing about the symbol, and just it's going to also go into the bat and the belfry, is that it it is, like I said, a Viking symbol. And I don't have a lot of background in that. So if any of our listeners do, and you have an idea of what this could mean, you just let us know. <laughs> but um, I would say that the bat and the belfry looks like she could be from that time period. Like if you Google Viking women, she doesn't really look that far off from the depicted people. So I do wonder if if that is a very strong connection between that symbol and her in, in some way. And I was even wondering, like when I was talking about the satyr, if she was like that person who's the master to to weave fates and change fates which would make sense if they're trying to change Anastasia's fate of being dead. Yeah. Hmm. And I don't know how the missing girl connects, but I'm Everybody's sure. Connected. Yeah. <laughs> She's got that symbol drawn. I'm sure that it's all connected. I'm kind of surprised when the thug dialed the phone, we didn't see that he was calling her on his phone. That would have been a nice throwback. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he was calling the bat in the belfry. Maybe she has a cell signal up there. But let's talk about that bat. (laughs) A couple interesting things I noticed. So when we see the bat in the belfry, there's this heart beating in the background while uh, Victoria is there. And that there's an audible heart beating throughout the entire scene almost makes me wonder, is this implying that someone, that one of those two women, I don't know which one, but one of them has the other's heart and is controlling them? I like that idea that Victoria has the witch or the bat's heart and is controlled. No, because I don't think that works because she's going behind her back with Ivy. Right. So I guess she could have Victoria's heart, but then why are her and Ivy still trying to convince her that she's in charge? Mm-hmm. If somebody has her heart. Yeah. But I think it implies that there is a heart in that room mm-hmm. that is not in somebody's chest. True. Yeah. And 
it could also simply be a special effect that they did for, you know, the dramatic emphasis. But one of the other interesting things, and this might be more telling about who the bat is, making me think that she could actually be Rapunzel. After all, we've already talked about her possibly being Rapunzel with her being in a tower, locked in a tower and all of that stuff. But she was referencing cutting something at the root and she was pointing at her hair. (laughs) That makes me think she is Rapunzel, an evil Rapunzel, maybe, or maybe (laughs) simply a misunderstood Rapunzel. I didn't notice that she was pointing at her hair. That entire like monologue she did was eerie, especially if she's not on Victoria's side. Mm -hmm. Like it was almost... It was like beautiful in a way, but not if you think about it in the context of they're doing it to a little kid. But it's true what she said about belief. Like it's not just one thing. It, it's, it is, what did she say? It grows wild and deep. And if you want to destroy it for good, you have to uproot it. Comparing it to a weed. It's just, it's a very kind of beautiful symbolism. And then, like I said, not when she's talking about doing it to a 10 year old, but. I would definitely say that's where Victoria got the inspiration to try and destroy Lucy's home life. Yeah. And she is probably the witch because when they talk about a special brew, to me, that just says witch, right? You know, witch's brew. So she is probably the witch, the vengeful witch. Now, who is the vengeful witch? (laughs) We're back to that same question. It just comes back around in a circle. But she does have magic up there she was able to appear she was able to disappear somehow or transform go invisible turn into a bat and fly away there's a (laughs) little reference for you and it's hard to tell how old she is too is she ivy's age is she victoria's age because the the exchange between ivy and the bat it seems almost like maybe the bat is being motherly to ivy Or maybe being like super close friend to Ivy. I can't quite tell. I would say the bat is probably more like Rumpelstiltskin's age. (laughs) Like she's probably a lot older than she appears. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. But she does. She does seem to be mothering Ivy a bit. Yeah, because Ivy is so desperate for her mother's approval. And when she got a little bit of approval or praise from the bat, you could see Ivy just light up like, oh, this feels so wonderful. So nice. Yeah, that was a very noticeable moment. And I mean, Ivy does seem to be like a good actress as well. So like not the actress, the actual character has been, you know, acting to Henry and acting to Regina and acting to Victoria, she's she's being very fake to those people in different ways. But I I think that what they were trying to show with that look is that she was very proud or very happy to get that praise. And then she quickly recovered and tried to just play it all cool. And she is weaving herself into everyone's stories, it seems, and, and trying to get everyone's trust. She seems to have her own agenda, she and the bat. And we still don't know who's really in charge, but this episode makes me think Ivy is the one who cast the curse. We've theorized about that before, and I think it makes even more sense now that she's the one who cast the curse. 
and her trying to get both Victoria's trust and Ronnie and Henry's trust seems like she it's kind of like a power play that she's manipulating. She created this situation. (laughs) Yeah. So that she could take control and get the mother she always wanted. Because it's all just about, you know, misunderstanding and missed love. I don't understand, though, if if she did cast the curse and that's all she wants is a mother who loves her. Why wouldn't she just cast the curse and make Victoria that mother as her cursed self instead of making her be awake and still villainous? Yeah. (laughs) Theory breaks down in many ways. I do agree, though, that it it does appear that she she cast the curse Uh, or had enough like a lot of uh knowledge about it before it happened that she was able to completely protect herself like more so than rumpelstiltskin did in the original curse melanie sent this feedback saying uh, first i think theorizing here when she says wow so ivy cast the curse yet wants her mother to think she is in charge i wonder what ivy's reason for that is and does it have something to do with anastasia What is the relationship between Ivy and the lady in the tower? At one point, it seemed like Ivy was in charge. And at another, it seemed like the tower lady was in charge. Does Ivy want Anastasia to be resurrected? Or does she have another reason for wanting Lucy to lose her belief? I'm starting to think that Ivy wanted Regina to find the picture of her and Henry. Although I'm not sure what Ivy gets out of that. (sighs) Yeah. I was wondering about the photograph and I was trying to watch Ivy's face. To see if she was surprised that Ronnie found that picture. Like whether she knew it was going to be there or whether she didn't know it was going to be there. Mm-hmm. And how would anybody even have that picture? Well, Regina might have been carrying it with her when she traveled to New Enchanted Forest. Well, that is true. I did not think of that. <laughs> I guess people often carry pictures of their children. That Meredith sense. of Everett, Washington said, I'm not sure about Drizella. I think her mother knows that... She has her memories. And has she had them all along? I think she does want the others to remember. Otherwise, she wouldn't have let Regina slash Ronnie into those vaults knowing what would be found. But then again, Mr. Gold was trying to help others remember in the first season. My guess is that she simply wants to thwart her mom. She doesn't actually care about the others. I think the way that kind of connects all of this together... And thank you for the feedback, both Meredith and Melanie and Gareth and others who have sent feedback. I think the way that this could all potentially connect is Ivy is really the one pulling the strings here, but she's quite amateur at this pulling of strings. And so she has the bat in the belfry pulling the strings on Victoria and Victoria pulling the strings on everyone else. And now Ivy is trying to start pulling strings with the good guys, with Ronnie, Henry, and Wishhook. So Ivy is potentially ultimately the one in control and what is her motive for this victoria's motive is get everyone out of hyperion heights spread them all out because if they're together they might all remember or might all wake up but it seems like ivy wants everyone to wake up so maybe there's some kind of power that she's part of And maybe it was an attempt to overthrow her mother in New Enchanted Forest, and then that's when the curse was cast and she was stopped. Or maybe this was her way of figuring out, how can I bring everyone together so that we can do whatever this thing is that I'm trying to do? (laughs) 
Yeah, it's, I mean, I like that they threw us that curveball of, I know. I mean, I know we've been saying, oh, maybe Ivy cast the curse. I don't think I've said that because I, I just, I don't know. I like having more information before I theorize, but I, I like that they threw us the curveball and that it's now not exactly the same as the f- original curse because yeah. even Victoria being Lucy's step-grandmother, that's identical. Like Regina was Henry's step-grandmother, technically. I like that they're changing it up, but like it was a curveball to me. And so I didn't think that Ivy was awake at all. To hear that she was was a surprise. And I think I typed in our chat like, my initial reaction was whoa to the last the last line and i think that i still need more information they haven't given us anything about why she would even want to cast the curse ashley hardy in the chat room said if she ivy used anastasia's heart i mean she was almost dead not totally dead it would make it now impossible for her mother to bring her back which which means now she gets her mother all to herself. That's true, but that's not going to be a very nice mother that she's getting all to herself when she <laughs> finds out that Anastasia can't come back. Yeah, after such a setup that, oh, I've always wanted a perfect daughter, but you are not her. Wow. Yeah, she's not nice. <laughs> Neither one of them are very nice, actually, but... At first, I was wondering if if Ivy was just kind of playing the not nice card, but I think it's legit. What do you think is going to happen now that Ronnie has found the photograph and that she knows it's Henry in this picture with her? Yeah, and now Henry knows that it, it was her and he doesn't remember the photo. She doesn't remember the photo. I don't know. Nothing happened when either of them touched the photo. If something was going to happen from remembering, you would think it would happen right then. I I really wonder how long are they going to go on like this where neither of them remember, but they keep having these mother-son exchanges, which are really fun to watch. Don't get me wrong there. But how much longer is that going to go on? Is like, And even this whole curse, it comes back to the nature of the curse. Is this going to be a curse that will be broken in one big defeat sort of thing, kind of like in season one? Or is this a curse that will be progressively weakened as people start to wake up one by one in certain ways? And what happens if Henry or Ronnie wake up before the other? <laughs> Here's an interesting question back a few seasons, I'm sure. Whatever happened to the original curse? At one point, it was going to be destroyed. Was it ever destroyed for real? The like piece of papers? The papers with the instructions on it? Yeah. I don't think so. Because Regina had them in season three. Pan had them in season three when he cast the curse for New uh, Neverland. Uh, I just remember a scene by the well and... (laughs) I don't remember what happened, but if it's been destroyed, then we might be looking at a completely different curse. And well, it is a different curse. You can already tell, but yeah. e- even with how it was cast, you saying that perhaps Drizelli used Anastasia's heart, maybe this curse didn't even need a heart, but mm-hmm. that's a good theory. Cause if it did, who else's heart would she have used? Cause she doesn't seem to have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. But true. <laughs> She's too busy finding that 
annoyed babysitter emoji to yes. have friends. <laughs> and I also like I froze, I paused on the picture when they zoomed in on it, the picture of Henry and Regina to see if it said Storybrooke anywhere or to see if there was anything that could spark their memory in it. And there was nothing that I saw. Yeah, not Storybrooke, but it is obviously on the Storybrooke street. Yes, but for like if they had read Storybrooke, that would take him back to his book and he'd be like, whoa, this is crazy. Uh, Maybe Lucy's right. So I'm wondering if that was intentional or if they just didn't think of that. Lisa sent in this email saying, could Ivy be responsible for Anastasia's death? This incorporates a few theories. And I know we've also talked about maybe this was uh, part of it as well. First off, let's assume that Anastasia is the Rapunzel character and that the lady locked in the tower is the Mother Gothel character. Also, contrary to the Alice Bean Hook's daughter theory, I think Anastasia may be his and Lady Tremaine's daughter. The name, which, by the way, that right there, I could see some connection there because there's obviously history between Wish Hook and Lady Tremaine. But if she was going to pick a daughter to be super attached to, it kind of seems odd that it would be Hook's daughter with the way that she and Hook seem to be with each other. But then again, could be wrong. Anyway, Lisa continues here saying the name Ivy suggests she is named for the plant, which is an evasive plant that also climbs up buildings. What if Ivy slash Drizella somehow made a deal with Mother Gothel? to steal Anastasia away, being jealous of all the attention her younger sister got. Once Lady Tremaine married Cinderella's father, Drizella was jealous again, and at some point convinced Cinderella to, quote, help, unquote, her rescue Anastasia, which returned in her death. Then the blame went on to Cinderella, making Drizella the favorite daughter again. I'm still not sure what happened to make Drizella cast the curse. Maybe once Lucy was born... She became the favorite because she was so similar to Anastasia in her pureness of heart. Or maybe this is all some intricate plot between Ivy and Mother Gothel to make Victoria think she has to kill Lucy to save Anastasia, so Ivy is once again the favored daughter. But it won't really work and just result in both Lucy and Anastasia's death. Whatever it ends up being, Drizella is definitely a character with multiple secrets and interesting motives. And I need to correct something. We hadn't theorized before that Ivy or Drizella was the cause of Anastasia's death. We had theorized that Cinderella was the cause, but maybe Cinderella is blaming herself when she's not actually the one that did it, but somehow enabled Drizella to do it. So I could see this theory that Ivy was behind this being totally real because after all, if Ivy is the jealous sister She wants Anastasia out of the way, and so she comes up with this whole elaborate plot to kill Anastasia, but then, oh, Anastasia's last breath is still there, so now we need to try and get Anastasia out of the picture, and there's this curse thing that might work, but oh, bummer, it brought Anastasia with us. Because after all, if if Victoria was the one who cast the curse, it would seem that she would have kept Anastasia close to her, right? She was looking for Anastasia's coffin, does Ivy even know they found it? That's well, yeah, she must know because she's in league with the bat and the belfry. Yeah, I'm sure she knows now. It's funny, I looked up Ivy name meaning and I didn't look up the plant significance and it means faithfulness. And I was like, well, that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> 
But perhaps, perhaps this is all out of faithfulness for somebody. We just don't know who it is yet. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's another frog out there somewhere. Maybe. She could have cast the curse out of faithfulness to her sister, knowing that Victoria would find a way to bring her back. True. And that's why Victoria didn't know where she was. So she's yet another simply misunderstood villain. Wouldn't surprise me. Have we seen sisters on the show that didn't like each other? That didn't like each other. Because that's not a super common portrayal of sisters. If Drizella and Anastasia really don't like each other. Or if Drizella wants her to be dead. Well, there was the misunderstanding between sisters in the Frozen saga with Once Upon oh, a yes. Time. Not that I can remember any other sisters on the show hating each other. Certainly not hating each other. Other than, obviously, hating Cinderella. The stepsisters hating Cinderella. But we didn't yeah. really get to see the stepsisters' perspective much. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's an interesting curveball if that's the way that they go. Because it just occurs to me that sisterhood is is a very strong bond. Often, to me, in my opinion, stronger than between parents and, and uh, children mm-hmm. at times. So, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's funny because I have so much research about this episode and i'm i'm left with a lot of i don't know still at the end of it (laughs) yeah it's kind of like this episode moved the story along it didn't feel like filler not not very much not like we felt filler in past episodes of once upon a time but this also didn't really answer almost any questions other than is ivy awake which isn't really a question we were asking before this episode we just assumed she wasn't other than the the one theory that we had that maybe she cast the curse. Now we know. So who knows she's awake? I don't think Victoria knows. So Ivy is probably the villain here. But we will find out and probably be proven very wrong with the next episode of Once Upon a Time. So <laughs> please make sure that you send us your theories when you watch the next episode. And here's a way that you can really, really help us out when you send us your theories is if you have multiple theories... Please send them as separate messages, whether that's separate voicemails, voice recordings, emails, anything like that. And that way you can give each one of them a special subject line that connects with that uh, theory in some way. And it makes it a whole lot easier for us to organize. So you can get all of our contact information over at oncepodcast.com slash contact. That has our email address, our phone number that you can leave a voicemail any time of the day, the option to send a voice message through the website, even if you're on a mobile device. And you can also send a message right through the contact form and attach a file if you need to for us, like a screenshot, some research or anything like that, sound clip or anything else you want to include. That's over at oncepodcast.com slash contact. You can also continue this discussion now that we're wrapping it up by going to the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 313. And while you're there, please share this episode out on Twitter, Facebook, all of those places to encourage others to check out the podcast, especially if you were mentioned in this podcast. And you can have any conversation about Once Upon a Time over in the forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums. Please connect with us on Twitter at oncepodcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Aaron on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. This podcast would not be possible without the support of our heroes and our great team behind us. So special thanks to Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episodes, Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing our spoilers. You'll hear from them soon. 
Keb from Masterminding Our Timeline, and to my fellow co-hosts, Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline for hosting this podcast with me. And until next time, try less whimpering, more scampering. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be a hero too, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. You can do voodoo. You cannot do voodoo. You can do whatever you'd want to do over there to support us at oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. Do the do do do. I got it now. I remember it. Do 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 do. Do the do do do. Ha.